0: Welcome
1: to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life
0: message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Monday, February 12th. Hope you're doing well. Great to be with you every day here on EWTN. Busy show this morning. We are going to chat with our very own Dr. Ray Grendy from The Doctor Is In. So last week we had that story which made national and international news, and it's based right here in my area of southeastern Michigan, the horrible school shooting that took place in Oxford, Michigan, which is north of Detroit a few years ago. And both of the gunman's parents have been in jail since then. And just recently, as we mentioned, recent story, the gunman's mother, Jennifer Crumbly, was convicted on all charges of involuntary manslaughter. And some psychologists and psychiatrists are saying this is a good thing because it's going to impact parents and have them be more aware of what their children are doing, what they're consuming in terms of media, whether they're struggling with different issues. Dr. Ray Grendy, however, is very concerned about this because he says this is not good. This is going to turn us even into more of a police state because it says it's very very he says it's very hard to predict, regardless of any situation in a family, what someone is going to do, but he has some really good insights insights on this, and says he deals a lot with parents who are really, really good parents and raising their kids well, and then their children still go off the deep end. so how do you determine whether someone may or may not have been responsible in some way, shape, or form, for the actions of their children so It'll be an interesting discussion, I'm sure, with Dr. Ray Garendi, who is one of our very own here and an excellent psychologist. Don't tell him I said that, though, because I don't want him to get a bigger head. Anyway, <laughs> he really is great. He's written a number of books. He's been on all kinds of media throughout the years and has some very great common sense. Now, there's also another story that I want to discuss with Dr. Ray, and this is actually related if you think about it, because the gunman in the shooting in Oxford, Michigan, was claiming to have emotional problems. And according to the prosecution, not only in his case, but in the parents, uh, Jennifer's case, and the father is going to be tried uh, in a couple of months. I think in April his uh, trial begins. Apparently he was reaching out for help, looking for help for depression. So this is what came out in the trial. And now we're looking at a study, another study regarding kids, and it says stress is a key factor driving some teens to drug and alcohol. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control. Supporting and improving mental health could have a direct impact on substance use among teens in the U.S. This is according to a new study from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Teens who were being assessed for treatment for a substance use disorder were asked to identify their motivations for using drugs and alcohol. About 9,500 responses were collected Over the past eight or nine years, the most common reason that teens said they turned to drugs and alcohol was to feel mellow, calm, or relaxed, with nearly three-quarters of them citing this reason. Many other top reasons related to methods to cope with stress, 44% saying they use substances to stop worrying about a problem or forget bad memories, and 40% say they use substances to help with depression or anxiety. Also a part of this report, which in addition to all this bad news is very sad, is that young people are feeling a great sense of hopelessness. So I'm sure Ray will have a lot to say about that as well, and we look forward to his expertise on the matter. We're also going to be checking in with Kelly Walquist, the Foundress of Wine, Women in the New Evangelization, a new book, which Kelly contributed to, she edited, I contributed to, Dr. Mary Healy. It's called Wisdom from Women in Scripture. It's beautiful. We have an online Lenten retreat for you ladies And Kelly will let us know how it's going. The first segment was last week for the introduction. There's still time to sign up and she will give us all the information. You can find out more about wine, women in the new evangelization, including our pilgrimage in October, which is going to be northern Italy, Venice and the Lake District. And we're going to be learning about Mother Cabrini, visiting her hometown. And also we're going to be visiting the hometown of in the doctor's office of St. John of Bredamola. So we'll talk about that as well. Kelly Walquist joining us. Catholicvineyard.com is the website. And then Gail Buckley will wrap us up on a Monday morning with the Bible verse of the week from Proverbs. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Some good food for thought there as well. Weather-wise, more storms hitting the country. We have a significant winter storm from the Mid-South today, transitioning to a strong nor'easter For the Mid-Atlantic and New England by tomorrow, National Weather Service saying severe thunderstorms, heavy rainfall, and flash flooding possible across portions of the southeast. A new storm system arriving across the Pacific Northwest by the middle of the week with areas of locally heavy rain and mountain snowfall. I do want to remind you that there's a beautiful article on the National Catholic Register all about St. Valentine's Day and how couples celebrate, and particularly looking at What do we do because St. Valentine's Day falls on Ash Wednesday? Well, they interviewed a number of couples, including me and Deacon Dom, uh, Ray, of course, Ray Arroyo and his beautiful wife, and also Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers and his wife, a number of other prominent couples weighing in on St. Valentine's Day, and in particular... The day on which it falls this year, you can find that at ncregister.com. Six minutes past the hour already. Hope your day is going well. A ton of news to get through, as always. Never, let's get started on a Monday. Catholic News Agency is reporting that the U.S. CCB or the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, publishing a document explaining great concerns about the Food and Drug Administration's approval and deregulation of a chemical abortion pill, which is subject of an ongoing U.S. Supreme Court case. And, of course, you can find that story at CatholicNewsAgency.com. The bishop's document citing a number of concerns, including infections, blood loss, even death. They're also noting the rate of adverse effects from chemical abortions is more than 5% or four times higher than first-trimester surgical abortions. That document also stating that complications are likely underreported in the U.S. as many are treated in hospital emergency rooms where physicians may not know about the abortion or not coded as such in medical records. And they further warn about the lack of safeguards through deregulation, the document expressing concern that the FDA regulations do not require in-person doctor visits, allow the drug to be delivered through the mail, And also permit access to minors, and they caution the potential adverse effects of this deregulation were never, ever properly studied. The Pope canonizing Argentina's first female saint, Maria Antonia of St. Joseph, known affectionately in the Pope's home country as Mama Antula, this happened in a mass in St. Peter's yesterday you also find this story on the Register and Catholic News Agency. Argentina's president sitting in the front row to the Pope's right during the canonization and embraced the Pope at the end of the Mass. Mama Antula passed away in 1799 and was a consecrated laywoman who promoted Ignatian spirituality, founding a house for spiritual exercises at a time of widespread hostility to the Jesuit order in Argentina. The Pope praised the saint as a model of apostolic fervor and boldness for traveling, he says, thousands of miles on foot through deserts and dangerous roads to bring people to God. Two people are hurt and the shooter is dead following a shooting at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Houston. Police Chief Troy Finner says the city will continue to move forward as a community following this tragedy.
2: We worship together, we cry together, but we rebuild together.
0: The woman entering the church yesterday afternoon wearing a trench coat and backpack. She was armed with what authorities call a long rifle and then began shooting. Two off-duty police officers then engaged the suspect, striking her. She reportedly entered with a 5-year-old child who was hit during the incident and is now in critical condition. Another man was hit in the leg and is receiving treatment at a local hospital. It's currently unknown what the motive was or how the child was related to the shooter. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says defeating Hamas is not only a win for Israel, but also a win for Palestinians.
3: The most important
2: power that has to remain in Israel's hands is overriding security control in the area west of the Jordan. That includes Gaza. Otherwise, history has shown terrorism comes back.
0: Speaking on ABC's This Week, Netanyahu saying he believes Palestinians won't have a future if Hamas is victorious. The Prime Minister also saying he believes the Palestinians should have the powers to govern themselves, but only if they are not a threat to Israel. He says a Palestinian government should not be able to have any arms or make deals with other countries to get weapons. Meanwhile, Israeli military forces have reportedly freed two hostages who have been held by the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas since October 7th and the attacks on the Jewish state. The IFD announcing today that a wave of attacks have been carried out about 20 miles southwest of Gaza City as part of a mission to rescue the hostages. And one Republican senator says he is not opposed to aid for Israel and Ukraine, but also says the U.S. needs to take care of America first.
2: I'm a U.S. senator, and my number one obligation is America. If America is not strong, we can't help any of our allies.
0: Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, the Florida Senator Marco Rubio saying the U.S.-Mexico border needs to be addressed before considering aid to other countries. He said the failed bipartisan Senate bill was far short of addressing issues at the southern border, adding he believes a bill to aid Israel would pass easily, but accused Democrats of holding Israel hostage by trying to force a bill that also includes aid to Ukraine and Taiwan. And Mark Mayfield tells us a brand new poll finding most Americans feel Joe Biden is simply too old to serve.
2: The ABC News Ipsos poll was taken after a special counsel's report cited Biden's memory lapses. It found that 86% believe he's too old for the White House. The 81-year-old is the oldest president to run for re-election. Former President Trump, the GOP frontrunner, is 77. Overall, the poll found that nearly 60% of Americans believe that both men are too old for the office.
0: And Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. paying a visit to downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan, in efforts to gain a following for the upcoming two thousand and twenty four presidential election. He explained to the crowd what motivates him to run this year.
4: I'm running because I think our country is departed from its ideals, the values that I grew up with.
0: Kennedy campaigning in front of a packed house at St. Cecilia Music Center in Grand Rapids over the weekend. He says he's not affiliated with any party and is offering himself as an alternative candidate. Meanwhile, as Rebecca Hughes tells us, early voting starts today in the state of South Carolina.
5: Voters have nearly two full weeks to vote early in the state's Republican presidential primary. Although no spite voting is allowed, so if you voted in the Democratic primary, you are ineligible to vote in the Republican primary. Polling locations will be open from 8.30 a.m. until 6 p.m. for the next two weeks as candidates choose between former President Donald Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Visit scvotes.gov to find out the location of your polling place for early voting. The actual primary is being held February. February 24th, the Saturday after early voting ends.
0: As we mentioned earlier, National Weather Service saying we've got some bad weather coming again to parts of the country. This time, a nor'easter expected to raise the risk of flooding along the New England coast as heavy snow is in the forecast across parts of Pennsylvania and southern New York for tomorrow. Winter storm advisories and warnings also in effect for northern Arkansas, Oklahoma, along the parts of Missouri and Kentucky. Scott Pringle tells us New York City is expanding the migrant curfew to more asylum seeker shelters starting this evening.
2: There were originally four shelters with an 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew, and now that's expanding to 24 shelters, impacting about 3,600 migrants. The expansion follows a series of crimes involving migrants, including robberies and attacks on police officers. City Hall says the curfew will allow for more efficient capacity management for migrants in the city's care. However, others say it's an additional burden on migrants, some of whom are trying to work late.
0: Teens are turning to drugs and alcohol to de-stress. We mentioned this earlier, and Dr. Ray will be along to weigh in on this as well. That's according to research from the Centers for Disease Control. The findings, following reports of rising anxiety and depression among American teens, along with higher levels of hopelessness. The lead author of the new report says that because those conditions are often related to substance use in teenagers, They are looking for ways to reduce stress and anxiety. Nearly 3 in 14 surveyed said they use drugs to feel mellow, calm, or relaxed. Katie Gray tells us health organizations are pushing people this month especially to get CPR training to help save more lives. February is American Heart Month, and this year the American Heart Association is placing a focus on getting more people CPR certified. Paramedic Rusty Lowe tells Atlanta News First,
5: every minute someone is in cardiac arrest, their survival rate drops by 10%. The national average of people who could respond in a cardiac arrest Situation is only 44%. Lowe says that CPR training is an essential set of skills, a skill that could make the difference between life or death. More information on CPR training found on the American Red Cross's website.
0: And the Kansas City Chiefs, officially a dynasty after becoming back to back Super Bowl champs, they defended their title after coming from behind in overtime last night to beat the San Francisco 49ers. 25-22 in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. The Chiefs, by the way, the first team in the NFL to win back-to-back Super Bowls since the New England Patriots back in 2003 and 2004. Speaking of the Super Bowl, today is known as Football Hangover Day. Breed tennis with what a lot of people will be doing today.
6: Calling in sick today, not a unique idea. The Harris Bowl says over 16 million adults will have the Super Bowl flu today, costing businesses millions. But it happens every year, and Super Bowl officials have rejected numerous petitions to change the day of the big game. They say the ratings are just too good to change the day. Estimated viewership, more than 200 million people.
0: It is a Monday, 15 minutes past the hour. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Our very own Dr. Ray Garendi weighing in on a historic ruling that came down just recently in my home state of Michigan regarding the mother of a gunman who went into a local high school and killed several innocent teens. More on that up next. Plus, this study out in terms of how many young people are turning to drugs and alcohol deal with stress and a sense of hopelessness. We'll also get his insight as a well-known doctor, psychologist, author, speaker, when we come back, Dr. Ray Grendi.
2: We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all healthcare options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com.
4: The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is a literally and wholly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. Feeding 5,000 from a boy's five barley loaves and two fish, as recorded in John chapter 6, is quite a miracle. Yet the next day, Jesus downplays it in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Likewise, God's provision of manna to the Israelites in the desert was also a great miracle. Yet Jesus similarly downplays it in verse 49. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Jesus is clearly stating that his Eucharist is greater than both of these amazing miracles, and the Catholic Church absolutely takes them at his word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is FaithForensics.org.
2: When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care.
0: 17 minutes past the hour, last week a Michigan jury found Jennifer Crumbly guilty on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter charges connected to the deaths of the four students gunned down by her then 15-year-old son at Oxford High School in southeastern Michigan. The shootings occurred on November 30th, 2021. Crumbly, along with her husband James Crumbly, charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with the massacre, making them the first parents in America to face charges for a mass school shooting carried out by their own child James Crumley, as we mentioned, is set to stand trial in the next several weeks. And again, Jennifer is the first person, the first parent, to be found guilty in connection with the shooting that was done by her son, who is now behind bars for life here in the state of Michigan. So I had a lot of conversation with uh, Dr. Ray Grundy, who is a noted psychologist, author, and speaker, and deals with a lot of parental issues and troubled kids and troubled families. And it's interesting, Ray, because we were talking, I sent you this press release in preparation for the interview where some psychologists are saying that this will determine whether parents will be more involved with their children to prevent future school shootings. Once parents realize they can go to prison for manslaughter, if they get their children a gun instead of getting them psychiatric help, more will do the right thing. And this was a press release from a uh, a psychiatrist who sees this as a plus, as a good thing. But you disagree with that, and you have some very reasons, very good reasons for doing so. Good morning, thanks for joining us, Ray. Appreciate it.
3: I, I vehemently disagree with it. T. Absolutely, the ripple effects for parents, if in fact this uh, gets traction, will be will be un- inestimable, unbelievable. Yes, there's there's no argument that these parents were not good parents, and they were not supervising parents. Okay. That case was made. However, where do you say, okay, because I'm not as good a parent as somebody thinks I should be or as even the majority think I should be, therefore, if I can't predict what my kid will do, I should go to jail. That's absolutely frightening. I, you know, I have all kinds of parents called the radio show who are good, good people. They love God. They try to be faithful parents and they are stunned at some of the stunts their kids have pulled, either under their nose or once they've gotten into their later teens. They couldn't predict it. I did a, I did a research survey of psychologists predicting violence, mm-hmm. and I looked at all the studies at that time. This was a while back. If a psychologist is asked to predict whether somebody will be violent, what do you think his... Chances of success are?
0: I don't know, 25% Flip, maybe?
3: Flipping a coin. Yes. Flipping wow. a coin. So basically, what you're saying is this woman should have known at some level that if they gave this kid a gun, supposedly for target practice, I, I don't know the details there, but if they did that, that he was going to commit this tragic piece of behavior. How, how could they know that? Well, they should have seen the warning sign. Yes, there's warning signs everywhere. I deal with hundreds of parents where there's warning signs all over the place, and you've got to try to anticipate as best you can, but you cannot predict. Only God can do that.
0: In terms of the case, I'm sure you looked at the stories that I sent you. In, in the Crumblies, there was a lot of information that the prosecutors brought out that claimed that they should have known better and they should have done something to prevent it. They got him uh, the gun for a Christmas gift. It was an early Christmas gift. There was video of Jennifer Crumley at a local shooting range with him. Uh, they had all kinds of notes that apparently are texts that are conversations that were apparently between the mother Jennifer and her son and he was supposedly reaching out for help. So this is what, part of what they used in coming up with these charges, these historic charges against the parents. What's your reaction to what the prosecution was saying? Because they were pretty, pretty heavy in terms of what they claimed that they found about the bad parenting.
3: Let's say that a kid is struggling, and most of the time kids struggle. A major reason is because of family instability. So let's say the kid is struggling. And he says, yeah, I, I really need some help. And for whatever the reason, the parents in their judgment think, well, no, not at this time, not at this point, um, or, or, or whatever, their, whatever their consideration. Maybe they were even lazy about it, which is what the prosecutor would say.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Does that mean that they could go to jail for making that judgment, And furthermore, I know the success rates of therapy with kids. They're very low. Despite what everybody thinks, that therapy can cure everything. It does not. Therapy with adolescents is a very low success rate. So therefore, even if this kid would have gotten therapy, that doesn't mean that he never would have done something like this. Maybe Mm -hmm. it means they would have had a weaker case with the mother, so saying she could have... Gotten him therapy, she did, and then he still did something like this. Maybe they, that would have taken some of the push out of their prosecution, but the, let's leave aside, T, all the factors involved in this mother being held culpable. What frightens me the most, by far, is that now this potentially opens the door for any parent who in, in enough judgment of somebody, experts, law people, didn't handle the situation well, or they handled it so poorly that they should have foreseen that this 15, 16, 17-year-old would go do something like this. Mm -hmm. A parent has, for example, a party at their house, and there's alcohol. The mom doesn't check the party. The mom just thinks, ah, just assume kids are going to be kids, going to be okay, so the kid gets drunk, he drives home, and he kills somebody. Uh, what level now is that parent held responsible? And is it is it criminal? So we we have laws on the books regarding abuse and neglect. Right. But even in those cases, the, the kids most of the time are taken either temporarily or permanently from the parents. The parents don't go to jail unless it's really egregious. I, this... Here's the other thing, Keith, and, and our, our audience, I think, would relate to this well. Our audience knows that the way they parent, the culture doesn't agree with. Right. The culture looks at our parents as too strict, standards too high, too religious, uh, not going with the cultural flow. So when our parents, your audience, do something that the experts in our culture say... Nope, nope, she, was, she, she handled that terribly, and this is what that kid did. He was stultified, he was stifled, and that's why he acted out.
0: Yeah. There's a, some really good comments from defense attorneys expressing a lot of concern and other experts who agree with you. I want to share some of those comments with you, and also this new study that's out regarding kids and drugs and how there's such a sense of hopelessness, which also ties into this story. More with Dr. Ray Garendi from The Doctor is Him, and we come back on a Monday. Talking with Dr. Ray Garendi. Excuse me. Big story that broke last week. Not only in Michigan, but it made national and international news because it's historic in the sense that the parent of a gunman who killed four students at a local high school here in southeastern Michigan held responsible with involuntary manslaughter convictions. Four of them for the four students who were killed. And there's a variety of people weighing in on this. Some are saying it's a good thing. It'll prevent more shootings and force parents to be more aware of what their kids are doing and with whom. Others are saying just the opposite. Dr. Ray is very concerned that this is a great overreach and more overreach from our government. And, and Ray, there's a lot of people who do agree with you. I sent you some of those articles. There was another one that was on one of our uh, local TV stations. They interviewed a former prosecutor and attorney who used to handle a lot of criminal cases, And he's saying, this particular attorney is saying, the problem is that if they go under a theory that it was an easy fix and she was grossly negligent for not doing that easy fix, the question now comes in as to can you limit that verdict to only guns? Now, this is really interesting. He says, for example, if you have a kid who plays baseball and you have baseball bats in your garage and he gets into an argument with someone, gets mad, and comes home and gets a baseball bat and beats some other kid's head in, the question is, he says, should you have secured those baseball bats? Should you have secured your kitchen knives? Should you have secured your landscaping shears? All of these can be weapons. How far are we going to go? Your thoughts on, on his comments.
3: I'll take it a step further. There's plenty of research that says that vile, violent video games for certain susceptible-type kids in certain family environments can really predispose them for acting out violently. How many hours a day then will you be allowed to watch a video game before you're held legally culpable as a parent? Mm -hmm. Your kid was watching eight hours a day of video games under your nose and with your permission. And he went out and committed an act like this. And look at these video games. These are nothing but total vile. And you allowed your kid to imbibe a diet of those video games for two years. You should have known. Where, Where do you draw that line? At which point, I'm, I'm terribly frightened when the experts step in and pronounce judgments and say, this parent was totally inept and ineffective, and that is the sole reason why this kid did this. There are many other reasons. Al Cresta brought up a great point. He said, could mother have reasonably known that this kid was going to commit this act? Of course not. If she would have known that, she would have pulled him out of school that day. It was probably the farthest thing from her mind to predict he'd do something like this. And I have many, many good parents sitting in my office, and the farthest thing from their mind is what their kid did.
0: And so where does the responsibility come in then? What is our Catholic response to this? Because certainly you and I have talked many times about the, and this is part of my area of expertise in media, we know the media influences people. It doesn't mean that everyone, God forbid, is going to go out and and act out a violent video game, but it's not healthy for kids to be on those violent video games watching them all day long.
3: It's selective indignation, T. We pick and choose, we decide where we're going to come down with it. Raw, rot-gut, vicious, vile, horrible, evil pornography in every way, shape, or form is available on the Internet. There is no really protective devices other than what the parents can do, but the society will not monitor it. All right, so clearly that stuff is involved in all kinds of egregious acts, but we allow it. So in this case, because they gave the kid a gun for target shooting, and granted, they didn't lock it up, but there, I know there are parents listening all over the place who don't have guns locked up. And 100 years ago, no gun was ever locked up. So given all that, it seems like they, they said, this is, a, this is something we're going to send a message to all you parents. And all it will do, I'll tell you, Trees, all it will do is it will scare the good parents. The bad parents, they don't pay attention to this stuff.
0: So what's our catholic response then? That's we always like to to give people, you know, action items or things to think and pray about in relationship to this story which is horrific overall.
3: I tell catholic parents that as the culture moves rapidly secular, you're not going to fit in well if you take your faith seriously and you try to raise god-seeking kids. So therefore, you cannot parent in fear. You can't If you parent in fear, you will become tentative, you will be afraid to make strong judgments, you will be afraid to do the things that your gut and your instincts and your God-given intuition tells you to do. You'll be afraid. So as a result, what will happen, this is the irony, is you will probably raise the chances of more ugliness happening because you're an insecure parent.
0: Hmm. Interesting points. All right, one last note, and thank you for this and for your honesty and for your firmness on this issue. There's a lot of, as I said, folks who are in agreement bringing up a lot of interesting points in this whole discussion. This study that just came out a few days ago that's really alarming, but you're seeing this as well, I'm sure, in your practice. Supporting and improving mental health could have a direct impact on substance use among teens in the U.S. It's according to a new study from the uh, CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Teens who are being assessed for treatment for substance abuse use disorder were asked to identify their motivations for using drug and alcohol. The most common reason they turned to drugs was to feel mellow, calm, or relaxed, with nearly three-quarters, Ray, citing this reason. And a lot of them also, it came out, they felt great hopelessness. What's going on, do you think?
3: When you kick God out of the culture, Mm. when you allow families to fracture and fragment because of many of your legal laws and many of your cultural messages, when all this happens, The natural byproduct, unavoidable, is that the kids will become more psychologically unstable. No question. They will then turn to the most available thing, which is drugs. Every statistic we have right now is that our measurements of pathology among our young people are off the charts. They have never been this high. They have doubled in a, in a matter of five years This is exactly what you get when you do the kinds of things our culture is doing. And religious parents have got to push back against it. They can't be bullied by the culture. I'll give you a small example. This is a tiny example. means nothing, but look at who our celebrities are Mm -hmm. through the Super Bowl. As I understand it, that singer has done some, what, satanic kind of dances and things?
0: Which one there are several singers that were there Usher was a big the, part of it the, and the,
3: the one that's dating the tight end oh, uh Taylor Swift, yes, okay, yeah. yeah, so she is held up as a goddess in our culture, yet, for example, she she i don't, I don't know, I've never seen her stuff, but I've read that she's done some pretty uh not even risque stuff, but she's a, she's a goddess. And that's just one small thing where our culture elevates these celebs Mm -hmm. to godlike status. And the kids, the kids are all just looking at this like, yeah, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Oh, isn't this great? What a wonderful life. And when they can't achieve that, that's just one piece of the puzzle. But everywhere around them, my son's 26 and he says, my dad, he says, dad, my friends are a mess. He says, they're all unhappy. They're all anxious. He says, I, I try to talk to him about God, about uh, life, and he says it's an uphill battle because they've, they've been raised with very little. God says. Yep.
0: Great advice, Ray. Great insight, as always. So Dr. Ray Garendi, you can hear him every day here on EWTM with a Doctors in. Check out his website and his great books, including a new one on parenting. And, by the way... His breakout talk on the cruise, as well as his keynote, Packed to the Gills on the Good News Cruise. Great advice. Don't get a big head over this, buddy, all right? We'll hey, right the back. only
3: reason it was packed to the gills is because the buffet was closed.
0: <laughs> we'll be right back on a Monday. Hey, don't forget, not only ten Radio, but EWTN TV, right? And radio with Father Mitch Paqua Wednesday nights at eight, where Father Mitch interviews a variety of guests seeking to teach and prepare us for evangelism. Amen to that and amen to my next guest, my dear friend and my sister in Christ, Kelly Walquist, the founder of Wine, Women in the New Evangelization, Catholic Vineyard.com. We've got a brand new book we're so excited about. Kelly edited the book. Doctor Mary Healy, myself, and many other women contributing. Wisdom from women in Scripture. Hey Cal.
6: Good morning. Good morning. great to talk to you on this beautiful sunny morning in Minnesota. Yeah, it's sunny in Michigan, too. Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah, we don't have any snow. We kind of look like a very ungreen Hawaii.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the temperatures are as warm as Hawaii, but we'll take it. I'm so excited about the book. What's been the response so far since the book came out in December?
6: It has been fabulous, and I, I heard you earlier talking about how we started our online Club. We have a virtual vineyard. We have for about the last ten years, and so we started the online book club last week for women, um, for uh, women wisdom from women in scripture, and we just did the intro, so you can jump right in tonight. We're doing or tomorrow night we'll be doing um, chapter one, and it was incredible. Like the the things we heard back from women, it was absolutely amazing, and I think it's so needed after just listening to Dr. Ray talk about, you know, keeping God in the culture, mm-hmm. and I when I look at what we did with this book, and each of these writers focused on a woman who had to live wisdom, which is, a, you know, it's applying knowledge with common sense and the insight, hopefully the insight of God, and living God in their culture, and, and then kind of giving us, how do we do that now today? And so after listening to Dr. Ray, I thought, oh, ladies, I mean, as we're raising these families and we're going through these tough times, how do we walk in wisdom? And so it's just amazing. I mean, even think of your chapter with Esther and, you know, seeing her walk in wisdom and then Mm -hmm. your example of how to walk in wisdom. And so I think it's just really relatable and super practical for today.
0: What's nice about it, too, is there's prayers and also questions, reflection questions at the end of each chapter. So in addition to the online event that you're doing at Wine for the book, you can also do it on your own in a study,
6: can't you? Absolutely, and that's the nice thing. All of our books come with a a study guide and journal. And I know sometimes women hear journal and they're like, ew, you know, (laughs) run away. Um, But it's really a way for you to become reflective and contemplative, and especially during Lent. Where if you're going to walk in wisdom, that you know, and you're going to try to act in how you believe God would act, right? Um, You need to know God, and so when we have something like Lectio Divina, each each week there's a Lectio Divina where you're prayerfully praying the Scriptures. Well, you'll see as you start to write down what the Lord is speaking to in your heart that you're going to gain little nuggets of wisdom. And we do have questions for the small group discussion. And like you said, if you can't do it with, you know, with a whole group of people, join us Tuesday night online. It's free. There's interaction and you also get to hear from some of the authors. And one really cool thing that, um, we did with this is when I was reading it or not reading it, writing it, I should say, when I was writing the introduction and I kind of wrote that last. As I watched all the pieces, all the puzzle pieces come mm-hmm. together, um, something hit me, and it was—it's God's timing, right? The Holy Spirit's timing. Uh, but I was writing down in my little notebook my little nuggets of wisdom, and they're simple things, you know, just for the introduction. Well, but they're nuggets of wisdom, you know. That the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia, and Sophia is often personified as the feminine in Scripture, an expression of the feminine aspects of God. Mm -hmm. and that Sophia has always been with us since the beginning. And we have these little areas in your study guide where you can write down your favorite quotes. And I want to read this quote because it's going to tie into something cool I'm going to tell you in a second. Okay. And I wrote down, in the first chapter of John, what the author says about the Word of God was said about Sophia in the Jewish tradition. Like the Word, Sophia was present with God before creation, just as the word was with God and was God so sophia was and i had just written that and our friend marie miller who's an amazing singer songwriter um, had dropped a song called woman and it just come out and it started with the woman at the well which is my chapter right and and then as i was reading that that it's his outpouring that that sophia is god sharing of himself with creatures doesn't so say his outpouring and his love by which He is given and known, held in love, and there's a line in her song that says, "Woman, you are the heart of God." Wow! And I was just like, "What?" You know, and the song is beautiful. So the Holy Spirit gave me this crazy idea to put together this beautiful Spotify list. And "Woman," the song by it's um, uh, Marie Miller, Sarah Hart, and I can't remember the other Sarah right now, and that's Sarah Groves. No, that she's, yeah, proud. she's yeah. No, I have to. I have to look. Oh, I feel horrible. Um, but it, then each song. Sarah Kroger. Kroger, thank you. Yeah,
0: she she's saying on the Good News Crew, she's amazing.
6: Uh, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. They're, oh, they're all so good. I was calling her. I was calling her Marie and the Sarahs, and I said kind of like Tony, Tony Orlando and Don. You know, but I thought, <laughs> man, that's a, that's an old reference. You can get that one. Um, but it's wonderful. So That's our overarching song, and then we have a song from one of our wonderful women of wine. You know, Amanda Vernon and um, Alamar Jansen and Liz Kelly, her, you know, just all these great songs. We even have a Spotify list, so you can have this music on the background when you're meditating or maybe you're doing the coloring that's in the journal and study guide and meditating on what the Lord said to you. So lots going on.
0: Lots going on. CatholicVideo.com is a is main place to go. The book is published by Word Among Us, and they did another book of mine. They did my Saints book. I just love them. They're amazing. What I like about it is Scripture is, is always so I mean timely in terms of what you're feeling and, and what you're you know, trying to, to get from God. And I love the different perspectives that are very unique about the wisdom from women in Scripture because sometimes it's things you don't even think about but another person
6: is thinking about. I think that is a really good point because I when, as I was putting this together, I was kind of in awe. You know, I, I was reading Dr. Mary Healy's um, story about the woman with the alabaster jar. And I know Mary and I were kind of laughing over it one time because she said, I have to write, you know, 5,000 words on a woman that not much is written about. And I said, Well, I have to write 5,000 words as a woman at the will. I don't, I'm a woman that so much is written about you know but i love her insight right and as she brings in the story and i don't want to give it away but she brings in a, a story of a little boy um, that she knew from her church and yeah. he, and it's her whole concept is just small gestures of love and then you know with mary of course you're getting all the scripture right but with all of all of them you're getting all that you get this story that brings you in uh, you know into the into the heart of the author. I mean, and then, and then you're going deep in the scripture. And then there's this practical, okay, how do I live this 3,000, 2,000 years later? Uh, so I think in each woman brought something so unique. Um, you know, we start with, we start with Mary Healy, who did the woman at the alabaster jar. I did the woman at the well. Melissa Obermeyer, who was just a speaker at our conference this past weekend, which was whisper words of wisdom. So we had a lot of wisdom around us this, this weekend. Um, she did Root, Alyssa Bormes did Rahab, and wow, did she bring in something Oh, yeah. Something powerful, powerful.
5: Powerful. Powerful.
6: And, of course, you dressing for success with Esther, and Liz Kelly wraps it all up, and she's an amazing author, uh, with Mary, and her chapter is graced for heavenly collaboration. And we all are, right? We are, Mary is our, this is our goal. She is the seat of wisdom, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it is. So beautiful! The women just did such a great job, and they will be joining us either live or um, via video on our our Tuesday events. In fact, this last time we had Marie Miller on, and it was phenomenal. I mean, I got so many emails back of people, some people saying you're, you just are so authentic. You can you can see the love and the relationship between you women, and you make it so easy for us right. to understand and mm-hmm. practical. And and another thing, I, you know, I felt like I was really part of the community and I belonged. we're like, you are. If you're sitting alone at your house in you know, Ypsilanti or if you're, you're with a group of people in Rancho Cucamonga, those are two of my favorite cities to say, by the way. Um, it's great. You know, you're part of this. Well,
0: it's a beautiful book, and I think it's, it's a great way to go deeper during Lent as well. I mean, again, you can do the book on your own, but why not join a group of women that are studying it together and go to catholicvineyard.com for more on our book, Wisdom from Women in Scripture. And, Kel, we're going to have you back on soon to talk about our next wine trip. I'm so excited. Did you see what I came up with for for
6: what else we're going to do? Yes. Can we say it? Sure, go ahead. I think we can say it, yeah. Okay, so um, this past weekend we had the conference, the Whisper Words of Wisdom conference. And one thing that happened is I watched the movie Cabrini about two weeks ago. And so I was enthralled. Like, she has now just, she has just been with me. I I can't even tell you. And so I gave the whole plug, we're going to do a women's night out with all the women from wine around the country on March 8th, where we're all going to this movie together and then posting our pictures of being together. And so excited. And then I got your text telling me that we are going to visit the place that she was born. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? No, I'm so excited. And that's, you know, when a saint picks you. Yep. Um, you know, they really they they reveal themselves to it in a little way. Well, Caprini's a she's a tough cookie. So I'm like, wow. she's Hey, all she's over Italian. Me. <laughs> I know. I know. Let me tell you. It's,
5: well, you know, it's so interesting good.
0: because I was just doing some research for our itinerary for our uh, our wine uh, event coming up. And I said, I wonder, I couldn't remember for some reason. I thought she was born in Naples because she served so many people from that region of Italy in New York with her work there with the, with the poor Italian immigrants. But then I looked it up and I found out that she was born outside of Milan. I'm like, well, we're flying into Milan. We're going to Magenta. We can certainly go to her place. And so there is apparently a center that you can visit and set up a tour and learn about her and her hometown in, in Lombardy. So God willing, we're going to put that on the itinerary. Cal, we got to run. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for Wine, Women in the New Evangelization, and this brand new book and the study, Wisdom from Women in Scripture. Check it out, catholicvineyard.com. We'll be right back. My wife Janet's ancestors arrived in America on the Mayflower, but
2: we never knew that the Catholic missionaries arrived in Florida 50 years earlier. Visit the site where the cross was first planted, where Mass was celebrated and the first Marian shrine in the
6: New World. Renew baptismal vows in the cathedral in its first baptismal fund. Hope you can join us in La Florida, the land of flowers.
2: To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at
1: avemariaradio.net.
2: Food for the journey, Sister Ann Shield. You
1: know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments, just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say, just ask the Lord Give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven, but if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person? While we're correcting them Please brothers and sisters Let us open our hearts to God In those moments
2: Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey Weekday mornings at 645 And again at 1130 On 990 Ave Maria Radio
0: Okay Gail Buckley This is a verse to which we can all relate And a good reminder for us to keep
5: cool What's the verse this week? The verse is from Proverbs fifteen, eighteen that says, A hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. You know, it takes two to argue, but if one holds his temper and refuses to be provoked, then normally the anger will subside and you've heard the expression, it takes two to tango. Well, in this case, it takes two to tangle. And if mm-hmm. one isn't willing to fight, then the other one will probably calm down as well. You know, in my house, Teresa, I'm the one, unfortunately, sadly, I'm the one that's a bad temper. My <laughs> husband, <laughs> Yeah. my husband refers to it as my Irish ire. You know, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's true. Impatience and a short fuse are the two things I most often have to go to confession about and that I have to work on. It's not often, but when I do lose my temper, thank goodness. You know, my husband is the one that is, you know, calm and collected, you know. He just sits there and he lets me fuss and he waits for me to calm down. He never raises his voice and he never argues with me. And so this proverb is right. Eventually I will calm down and feel bad about losing my temper and I always end up apologizing and mm-hmm. you know and so I hope I haven't tarnished my reputation as a Bible lady admitting <laughs> <Biden>. this. <laughs>
0: I think you've made yourself more, I think, relatable for people because you know, we we can get upset because there's so much in the world to just, you know, drive us crazy. But
2: oh, at yeah. the end of the
0: day, I mean, I can relate. You know, my my, my husband and I are both 100 percent Italian, but he's very calm. Uh, I'm not so yeah. much. But I think I've learned over the years because we're reverts and, and you know, God healed our marriage not to be as emotional at times, although I'm still more emotional than he is, I think.
5: Right, and we all have to work on it. I mean, it's because of our fallen nature that we have concupiscence, you know, that tendency to sin, and we need to fight against it, you know. We find ourselves in situations where our anger is stoked, and we get impatient and get out of control, but I'm so glad I have a husband who's patient and doesn't fight back with me, you yeah. know. Uh, having someone who's slow to anger like my husband can actually, you know, calm feelings and infight. So mm-hmm. we need to be, you know, we need to be peacemakers, not fighters. Yeah. You know, the Bible... Bible states in Proverbs, that soft words work, work wonders with angry people. It's hard to bite with a marshmallow like my husband. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So again, just a reminder to drop this verse down because it's very helpful. Proverbs 15:18. a hot-tempered man or woman, I would say, stirs up strife, right. but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So just something to think about, especially as we're going into Lent, Gale. Super important Amen. that we we calm ourselves down and just you know breathe and and you know take because sometimes we can say things that we'll regret later and that doesn't that doesn't help relationships. You can't take you, back those words. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or as we say, back. as broadcasting, it's off the tower. That's what we say. Off the tower. Can't take it back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like Gail, that. thanks so much. What's the website for the Catholic Scripture Study? What's coming up?
5: Is that what you said? I'm sorry. No. What's the website? The website. Oh, the website, cssprogram.net. Love it. That stands for Catholic Scripture Study Program.net. CSF. It's
0: amazing. I just promoted it over the weekend at Two Retreats, Deacon Dom and I gave.
5: Have a great Monday.
0: God willing, we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Tuesday. Adamani. Ciao, ciao.
6: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.